uh, I'm going to make you introduce yourself uh, and then um, at some point and then um, the other thing is I'm going to ask you to pick out a song. So I don't know if you have anything in mind you kind of want to think a about song from not from anything. Just from like, anything. Yeah, like you're like a song to introduce yourself <laughs> or that you want to like play for everybody. Um, if you can think about it. Well, I love um, Gold Frap and the song Lovely to See You was the inspiration behind my Twitter handle. So <laughs> <laughs> Lovely to See You by Gold Frap. Um, <laughs> Very unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> no, everything is related. I was listening to the um, the Kenny Ortega testimony this morning because you know he testified in the um, the trial, the manslaughter trial for Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty intense. Yeah, I haven't heard the testimony, but I I saw that he testified, and I was like, oh, what did he testify for? <laughs> Which trial related to Michael Jackson? Um, but I saw it was the manslaughter one, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty brutal. Um, mm-hmm. He uh, he did well on the stand, I think. Yeah, I believe that. I think he he's just such an angel. I don't know. I was listening to interviews with him earlier. He seems like a really great guy. Yeah, I was watching like behind the scenes content of High School Musical and like some other things, and he really does seem like just a very competent and. I don't know, just patient person. Cause I feel like he's worked with a lot of non dancers. Cause even um, there's that scene in pretty in pink with John Cryer doing mm-hmm. the, like try a little tenderness. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And John Cryer is like not a dancer, but that's a very good scene, especially <laughs> like <laughs> Molly Ringwald's just face of utter disgust. Like the whole time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I think Kenny Ortega has worked with everyone, you know, he's worked with kids, he's worked with adults, dancers, non-dancers, and he's, I mean, we can, we'll get into it, but he, he knows every type of dance, too, like, he's not, a lot of choreographers kind of have their niche and they stick to that, but he clearly has a strong foundation in ballroom and in a lot of different styles. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, who's ever heard of shagging, but... Yeah, <laughs> I did. I thought that shag was called shag because of the slang term for sex. You know, I, that's like why I thought that. I didn't realize that was even a dance craze. Well, I'm happy to uh, educate the children on the classics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the classics of the 1980s. Um, okay, <laughs> well, let me play the song, and then. Um, I'll come back. You can introduce yourself because I, I want to say I think you're my youngest guest on here, which really? is very exciting. Yeah.
So yeah, do you want to introduce yourself and we can get into it? Sure. I'm Vera. I'm 25. Um, And that's about it. (laughs) I don't have a podcast for Substack or anything. So yeah, I'm excited to be here though. Yeah, welcome. Um, Yeah, so I had suggested um, that you watch Shag, the movie, because it's amazing. And I think, like, I don't know, just kind of, it's the kind of movie that they just don't make anymore, which Mm -hmm. is like this super horny, like, girls vacation movie, but it's like horny in a sweet way, like not a crass, um, I don't know, like, it's just a very sweet, very, um, like, fun, but also extremely horny movie. Yes, it's obviously in the lineage of Greece, which kind of set the standard for the horny teen movie. And I think Greece is the horniest movie ever made. And it's also one of the most homoerotic movies ever made. And I definitely see that in Shag as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The uh, homoerotic lineage is very strong. And I think, um, I don't know, like, I mean, not to like get into High School Musical too early, but there's also a heavy dose of homoeroticism in that, which I think also too is like, I don't know, strongly informed from Greece, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, High School Musical, I actually think is similar to Greece, more so in its plot than Shag is, because it has the similar theme of transgressing your click boundaries you know um because in greece uh danny and sandy are star-crossed lovers because you know he's a greaser and she's a goody two-shoes from australia (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, i had never heard of shag before you um suggested it to me and i i don't think anyone under the age of like 35 has probably ever seen this movie um because it's a lot of names that you know at one point meant something but you know the average person my age doesn't know who phoebe cates is like i know phoebe cates because of her like modeling work and then obviously she was um well i mostly know her from fast times at ridgemont high right yes. yeah yeah um and but the other funny thing about shag it's like it's all nepo kids so like it's bridget fonda (laughs) you know um yeah i mean annabeth gish isn't a nepo kid but um luann that's daryl hannah's sister um Mm -hmm. even one of the uh like kind of country or not country but like the local women that's in it like with the they like (laughs) she's like uh carol burnett's daughter Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, I know, like, Tyrone Power Jr., obviously, I can tell <laughs> he's Tyrone Power's son, I'm saying. <laughs> um, so, you know, yeah, that is a good point. It was, like, the Nepo Kid movie. Um, and the funny thing is the woman who plays Suet, Leilani Sorrell, was um, the hot lesbian in Basic Instinct. Oh, I hadn't connected those dots, but yeah, okay. 
the one, yeah, in this movie, she's donning the incredible Confederate flag bikini. Oh my god, that's probably <laughs> the main reason why this movie's been scrubbed from history. Yeah, unfortunately, which it's such a harmless scene. Um, but mm-hmm. anyway, let's, uh, well, for people who haven't seen it, which I'm assuming is everyone listening to this, because <laughs> actually I'll say I even quizzed my um, Gen X coworker about this movie, who's, he's probably about 10-ish years older than me. So he would have been like right at the target audience for this. And he'd never even heard of it. So I was like, okay. And he's like, you know, loves Pretty in Pink and um, 16 Candles. But yeah, never heard of Shag. Yeah, my parents hadn't heard of it. They're they're in their 60s, but they um, they hadn't heard of it either. And I read that it underperformed at the box office. Yeah, so I think that's one reason why. Yeah, that's not surprising. Um, okay, so, so it was written by um, Terry Sweeney, who is like the first openly gay SNL uh, cast member and he's like famous for doing like Joan Rivers and Nancy Reagan <laughs> <laughs> um, and his partner who grew up in South Carolina and they like collaborated on this script which is about these four sort of just graduated from high school girls in 1963 um, and they sneak off to Myrtle Beach for like a long weekend and it just happens to be the Sun Fun Festival and um yeah horny shenanigans happen and yeah it's just a very sweet movie um and the soundtrack is incredible and um it was put together by this guy Barry Marshall who I actually (laughs) took a class with him in college very uh interesting guy but um yeah it's all of these just absolute bangers from the early 60s just Mm -hmm. absolute killer soundtrack the night was clear and the moon was yellow and the leaves came tumbling down i was standing on the corner when i heard my bark. he was barking at the two men who were gambling in the dark it was Yeah, definitely. And it features this style of dance that I previously did not know existed called the shag. And the choreography was done by the legendary Kenny Ortega, who's kind of the uniting thread here thematically because he also choreographed the High School Musical movies. And um, 
He also choreographed literally everything <laughs> that was popular in the latter half of the 20th century. Like everything you could possibly think of, he choreographed. Like Dirty Dancing, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did the Madonna video for Material Girls. He did Share Turn Back Time, where she's on the deck of the, like, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> it's like the, the war vessel. Yeah. <laughs> and the, that amazing, like, outfit that's just, like, the ribbon that just, like, barely covers her crotch and nipples. Yeah. 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 Incredible. <laughs> and he did Xanadu. He did Pretty in Pink. He did Ferris Bueller, Dirty Dancing, Newsies, Hocus Pocus, Chu Wang Fu. Um, he worked with Michael Jackson, Gloria Estefan, Miley Cyrus. Like, <laughs> he, yeah. like, nobody ever talks about, I feel like nobody talks about Kenny Ortega, but he is such a legend, you know? Yeah, I think it just speaks to the fact that our culture like our pop culture or mass culture today just has no appreciation for well dance um like performance um Mm -hmm. or just like i don't know like razzle dazzle or whatever you want to call it like that like just that style of of let's put on a show um there's just no it's been kind of cordoned off into kind of its own little niche like Broadway, heavily gay, uh, coded um, subculture. I mean, that's yeah. that's all that, that there's left, really. Well, I, so I'm from Vegas, and in Vegas, we like to put on a show. And uh, so, like, I have an appreciation for this kind of thing because the, the shows on the Strip still have that sensibility of glitz and glamour and, you know, dancing um acrobats etc so there's still yeah like there's still pockets of appreciation for it but um i think that pop culture right now in america is too cynical generally to appreciate this kind of thing you know and i also will say that i think one reason why kenny ortega is not really discussed seriously is because in recent years he has focused on children's media like he seems to just work with Disney a lot and so that you know choreography is not really taken seriously like on an adult level um because he's working on like the descendants or whatever those shows are yeah I haven't seen that although I probably should I'm sure I'd enjoy it (laughs) 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 yeah yeah I, yeah, I do, I've only been out to Vegas once, but um, I think I've said it on here before, but I'm a huge Penn & Teller fan, mm-hmm. and yeah, they, they definitely have that whole ethos of um, loving, like, a, the show and, like, the showmanship, and um, I mean, they have, like, a pretty particular vision of it, but um, yeah, just the, because, well, in Kenny Ortega's testimony when he was talking about um, working with Michael Jackson. I mean, he says like one of the things that he worked with him on were um, like stage illusions and stuff like that, you know. But maybe, I don't know, maybe all that kind of died from pop culture with Michael Jackson. Yeah, that's a good point too. Um, Yeah, I would say like most performers now don't put in that kind of elaborate uh showmanship (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, which is one of the reasons I kind of ended up drifting over to um, Asian pop culture where they absolutely still do Mm -hmm. like a lot. There's a lot of glitz and glamour. But um, yeah, well, so anyway, uh, Shag, (laughs) the movie, like, (laughs) I've been obsessed with this movie. I mean, I want to say for like, I don't know, 30 years at this point. I don't even remember when I saw it, but it was pretty like foundational um, to kind of my whole just like fantasy world of what I thought like being a teenager was going to be like, like Mm -hmm. I loved, it was this, it was... um, yeah, like, uh, I mean, that whole, like, hairspray, dirty dancing, like, I loved all of that stuff. Um, and, yeah, mm-hmm. I was pretty disappointed to get to high school in the kind of late 90s. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it was not like that. Um, just the friendship between the the four lead um, actresses, like, their, their characters, like, I just loved that. I loved um, just the idea of, like, going out and dancing and... Um, yeah, I, I just loved everything about this movie, like as a teen, um, or tween and then coming back to it as an adult was actually, um, pretty illuminating <laughs> like, with a lot of the subtext that I didn't yeah. quite realize was there. Yeah. I would have loved it if I'd seen it, um, when I was younger and I, I did love it, you know, watching it now and it did remind me that this kind of movie doesn't exist anymore, I think for a multitude of reasons, but the absence of this kind of, uh, what exactly would you call this? Like a coming of age friendship movie? Yeah, Uh, yeah, it's a shame that, I don't know, they don't really seem to make them like this anymore. Yeah, and I think maybe this one too um because I, I don't remember who said it uh at this point it's probably on um it's probably jack actually but that like mm-hmm. uh that nobody writes women better than gay men like women characters yeah. <laughs> and like at least in this movie like i i really do like i felt that because um you know, this was apparently based off of just memories of hanging out like at the golf club and just eavesdropping on like sort of teenage teenage girls and the kinds of things that they were worried about and what they were talking about and I don't know if another woman would have had quite such a sympathetic um like take on Mm -hmm. on some of these things because like the girls like you know this is 1963 and they're worried about things like Phoebe Cates' character, she's um, supposed to get married and she's worried that her friends are going to go off to college and just sort of forget about her. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing is, you know, the depiction of like, after high school, that limbo of not knowing exactly if your closest friends will still be in your life, and then the kind of implied almost like class differences where some people are going to college and some people are not. And um, I don't know. I just, yeah, I don't really see that explored. Well, also because uh, getting married right out of high school is pretty rare unless you're Mormon these days. So, (laughs) but um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie and um I thought it was funny how I could clearly see inspiration drawn from Greece with the four main women, um, 
especially with the character of Pudge, quote unquote, <laughs> who is the kind of typical character in these movies back in the day where it's like a girl who is supposedly fat, but she's like <laughs> the same size as the other girl. She just wears baggier clothes. <laughs> oh my God, I love Pudge. Um, yeah, she was my like favorite character as a, a tween Um which, yeah, is kind of funny, like, in retrospect, because I think she's, yeah, like, she's just so uninterested in boys and um, romance, and she d- she really just wants to dance. Like, that's all that she wants to do. Um, yeah, and she's, she, like, just wants to eat, and, like, she's not interested in, like, makeup, and she's definitely got kind of that tomboy thing going on. Um, which definitely yeah which I found very appealing but yeah I liked the character of Pudge and um I liked uh Bridget Fonda's character oh my god Milena I (laughs) love Milena (laughs) she's so and you know what's funny is I I vividly remember thinking she was just like so worldly and just like sexy and like Mm -hmm. as like a a teenager right and then watching it as an adult I'm like oh my god she's a baby like she's just this baby and yeah that like it's that kind of depiction that I don't know if a woman writer would have done it quite as well um just so sympathetic of like this this girl who just so badly wants to be way more worldly than she actually is and she like talks a really big game and then it just gets her in trouble. Yes. So Milena is a uh, subject of a bizarre uh, shaving cream, hate crime, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after, so she hooks up with a guy. And then, if I'm remembering correctly, two women then like, attack her with shaving cream oh yeah yeah it's um they so they all the four girls they get to myrtle beach and they go out um and they end up at like you know like one of these old-fashioned dance halls that just does not exist anymore Mm -hmm. and um yeah so they're all like just just there to see and be seen and so um they're sitting around like drinking their sodas and this like total local like greaser uh big bob like walks up and asks her to dance and then like she um is like flirting with him and she's dressed very like provocatively she has like a little very cute tube top and like these tight pants on and um she goes off with him to like neck down at like whatever like wee wah point (laughs) and and but big bob had come with these like two oh my god it's so funny when they like they come in and like talk about like class differences so these are like four very nice girls from spartanburg and they're like, oh, my God, look at those. What did they say they're like, oh, look at those boho hairdos. Yeah. Because <laughs> they yeah. got, like, the big teased hair. And they do look very trashy. And, um, yeah, so they kind of follow uh, Big Bob, who's, like, their man. And um, they yank, like, Melina out of the car and, like, <laughs> just, like, cover her in shaving cream and toilet yeah. paper and then just leave her on the beach. Yeah, and that's just an interesting moment because it's like you know when young women transgress these kind of sexual mores it's oftentimes other 
young women who then punish them, you know, and that was just interesting because I don't know, I don't really see that depicted quite as much um, in media anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because I, I had told you, I think I'd been watching that, um, the Pink Ladies show, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> and oh my God, it's just, it's, I'd been hate watching it until I just reached a point where like I couldn't, I couldn't even hate watch it anymore. Mm-hmm. It was just that like frustrating, but yeah, but like that show, it's very... I don't know. It's it wants to be or at least on the surface it like wants to be something like Shag. But mm-hmm. if, I don't know it's like they just can't do it now. Like they just can't have these interactions with these women that are are at all kind of rooted in like real dynamics and they all have to be like just heavily coded in like mm-hmm. it's a lot of like race baiting and and just weird stuff like that that I don't know it's it just doesn't work like they don't feel like genuine friendships like it's more like like these four pink ladies are like stuck together because of like politics or something and then they just <laughs> interact like yeah like you just sort of plug and play like a Mad Libs it's very weird yeah well that show which by the way, has been canceled and oh, not good. only canceled, but is going to be removed from the <sighs> streaming platform. <laughs> Thank God. Nobody should watch it. It was an abomination. And <laughs> what I've heard of it, because I refuse to <laughs> subject my eyes to such a thing, is that um, it's it's just so safe because there's like these ideological barriers up now where women have to be portrayed as like you know sisters supporting each other at all times and like the only ever conflict emerges from like the patriarchy or something like that and so that completely flattens how women actually interact with each other and the actual dynamics within like all female groups you know um and so it's it's really a shame. It's very regressive, I think. Uh, it makes something like Shag and, you know, a lot of the, like, women's writers of yesteryear seem so sophisticated and worldly because they weren't censoring themselves. And, like, that's the big problem is that women do tend to censor ourselves. Like, it takes a certain kind of self-awareness and sophistication to not do that um and right now nobody is doing that at least in like you know mainstream like television movies etc we take the pressure and we throw Something like girls 
which mm-hmm. uh, I thought was amazing, Lena Dunham's girls. I mean, that kind of dynamic, I think, is probably maybe the closest thing that you'd get now. And even that yeah. was like over a decade ago, I think. Yeah, that Wasn't was that the like last 2012. Thing. Yeah, that was the last thing that depicted um, relationships, honestly, and was also placed in the current day. There's a lot of period pieces that come out because people want to avoid addressing the current moment, especially like lesbian period pieces. It's always period pieces now, you know, cause like people just don't want to have to deal with, um, current day politics. Yeah. yeah. No, I, yeah. It, well, I guess, yeah. Cause I mean, I don't know, like tar maybe was like, mom. tar was like the first one in years. Yeah. The last like lesbian movie to address current day, and this is funny because it was supposed to be set in the 90s, though nobody could tell, was actually Blue is the Warmest Color. And that broke everyone's brain and caused a massive sex panic. So <laughs> nobody nobody <laughs> has done it since because of the insanity that oh followed that movie. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we did get like, yeah, like Carol was set in the 50s, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. Um, yeah, because there was like there was a lesbian plot line in Pink Ladies, but it was not done well at all. I like, can't even imagine. <laughs> it was because it was not even treated like. It, yeah, it was just very weirdly handled, and it's. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of things too, like with the period films, where. Like, something like Carol, I thought, dealt with this very well, where it's, like, you know, the idea of, like, the gay identity, even, didn't even exist. Certainly, like, the modern idea of, like, the queer identity didn't exist till like, five minutes ago. (laughs) And something like, but, like, something like Pink Ladies transposes this very contemporary idea, like back to 1950, whatever. And it's just, it doesn't fit. Like it's, nobody thought of themselves like that in 1950, whatever. Like it's not, mm-hmm. it's just not accurate to the time. So it makes, it just is a weird fit. And I think that like something yeah. like Carol actually dealt with that pretty well. And Carol was based on the price of salt. And I think that Todd Haynes, like, very faithfully adapted it from the book. Yeah. And, well, um, but again, here's this gay man. Todd Haynes is gay, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 But, like, an, again, like, a gay man handling female characters, I think, very well. Yeah. He did a really good job. It was a very faithful adaptation. Um, but, yeah, the what I see in a lot of the period pieces about lesbians is this bizarre anachronistic a historical thing where someone like understands themselves to be homosexual but like simultaneously doesn't experience homophobia <laughs> articulates their identity in contemporary language yes. mm-hmm. and then like somehow has a happy cutesy poo ending or whatever and like none of it really makes sense, you know, and because it's like nobody, like nobody wants to use the old language from back in the day. Like it's not like the pink ladies dyke is being like, "I'm an invert," you know. Like nobody's allowed to kind of uh, accurately depict how people maybe would have 
seen themselves or whatever. Yeah, or even just the idea of like, um, you know, so the, so going back to Shag, but like in retrospect, watching this as like an, a grown ass adult, but um, Pudge and Chip, like very clearly, like they just seem like beards <laughs> yes but not but like i don't like i don't think that characters understand themselves like that i think they feel like a connection and probably a genuine connection it's just not like sexual and a couple like that would at the time end up getting married probably having kids and then probably later in life uh chip would come out and be like mm-hmm. one of these older like um, Mike White like Mike White's dad mm-hmm. you know like that's that's just very like people didn't understand necessarily that like that that you could have like this gay identity and this gay life like you you still had to get married and have kids like that mm-hmm. you know your personal sexual desires didn't necessarily enter into it you know at the time yeah Exactly, because marriage was your duty, and so whether or not you wanted to do it didn't matter, because it was your duty. It was like an economic union. It was, you know, yeah. You didn't even think about it. Yeah, and so there's kind of this. It's just funny, like, like just that relief um, from Pudge when she finds this guy that she can tolerate and that doesn't seem to be, um, like asking anything from her sexually <laughs> like mm-hmm. and like and chip it's so funny because at one point they're like on the beach and he's telling this like story about um how he had hooked up with this one like girl in his high school but she only got together with him so that he would tell um his buddy who is like going after phoebe cates um but buzz buzz yeah um that he's like that that she was fast but you know Mm -hmm. it's there's no like the way he's telling the story and everything like there's there's like absolutely no like horniness in it like there's it was just yeah he hooked up with a girl to tell a boy about it yeah (laughs) (laughs) and like is this so funny in retrospect i totally didn't pick up on any of this subtext at the time but like now i'm like oh okay i see what's happening here yeah and i think that's the the gay touch there in the writing in the directing oh and i think most of the time the actors have no clue the actors are dumb as a rock and they don't know what's going on and that's how it should be because you know they don't make it heavy-handed in that case like you know, it's it's going to be subtle, and um, there's a lot going on in High School Musical as well, subtext-wise. And I have a lot of thoughts on Sharpay and how I think that she's actually just a stand-in for gay boys, <laughs> for yeah. them to project themselves onto her. Um, which, of course, you think Ashley Tisdale thought that's what was going on? Hell no. No, she thought she was Paris Hilton in yeah. that movie. Ten thousand percent. yeah um but yeah well i mean just to kind of put the button on shag which everybody absolutely should watch um you may have to buy the dvd to watch it um Mm -hmm. but like the dance like the one of the other things that just captivated me watching this as a young tween and then even now today um are just those dance sequences they're so good uh Mm -hmm. so there's this um 
this one scene where they go to like a dri- uh, drive-in like uh, I don't know like diner or something like yeah a diner and um there's this sequence where there's a waitress on roller skates and she just skates right at the camera as Major Lance's Monkey Time comes on. There's a place right across town, wherever you're ready. Well, people. And it's just one of my favorite things in like the whole entire world. It is like top ten favorite scenes like of all time in cinema. Like I love it so much. Mm-hmm. And um, you know that's all Kenny Ortega. Just the way that he composes these um, these shots and the way that he can work with uh, background dancers. He's very good at making a scene feel populated but not overcrowded. And you don't see that a whole lot in um, choreography or movies or anything these days. Yeah, and he learned from the best because Gene Kelly was a mentor of his. And he said that Gene Kelly taught him how to choreograph for the camera. Because when you're dancing ballroom, it's very different than when you're dancing for cinema. You know, so like you do have to adapt. Um like where your focus is and how you look and all that stuff. And he was always really good at that. And the dance scenes in Shag were so fun and make me wish that, you know, dance halls like still existed. And <laughs> there, there was this outlet, you know, for that kind of like energy back then that I feel like doesn't really exist anymore. And um, it was fun to, to watch that. And it's also just interesting to watch, um, Shag and see kind of like in Greece, although Shag came out like over a decade after Greece, that kind of nostalgia, like the kind of uh, nostalgia for the 50s and stuff, like 50s, 60s, you know, a, a big thing at that point. And um, the one of my favorite scenes is the um, the pageant. Oh my the god. Sun- is it the Sun Fun pageant? I don't remember the name. Yeah, of the, yeah, the, yeah, the Sun Fun. It's like the Sun. They're like the Sun Fun Queen or something. Like they're crowning the Sun Fun Queen. But yeah, oh my God, I love that pageant with um, what's it called? Jimmy Valentine, who's like this total yeah. greaser, like from Philly or whatever. Like, yeah, who makes fun of Elvis and says that he's better than Elvis um, at one point. And so, yeah, so, like, Milena is determined to become the queen, you know, of this pageant. Um, And her biggest nemesis is Suet, um, played by Leilani Sorrell from Basic Instinct. And Suet wears this Confederate flag bikini. (laughs) Incredible. She looks amazing. Yeah, and it's really funny. And, again, like, this is not allowed now you know but um she 
was wearing. There's a lot of Confederate flag imagery in the movie. Like, Milano, like, dances around in a Confederate flag at one point. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> but it's all done very, like, kind of campy and and silly, you know? Like, it's not, I don't know. It's well, not. The, the, the whole idea of, like, the Confederate flag is this hate crime. I mean, that's pretty. <laughs> Like, it wasn't always like that. It did used mm-hmm. to be kind of campy. And, um, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, it just meant that you liked the Dukes of Hazard and Leonard Skinner. Like, it wasn't, like, it wasn't a political mm-hmm. statement, really. Um, even though, yeah, of course, like, you could, you can read it that way. But I think for a movie like this, it's just meant to to kind of poke, like, light fun at just um you know what what characters like this of the time would have been thought was like i don't know like cultural or sophisticated mm-hmm. because the like the other thing in the sun fun pageant is the um that amazing um <laughs> like the speech. dramatic interpretation oh my god i love that scene so much and luann luann as who's soon as like i the, heard her as soon as i heard her say Yankees and terror I was like oh my god <laughs> they're like it's a very famous speech <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're gonna so, yeah. know if you get it wrong Milena um delivers the gone with the wind monologue as god is my witness um I will and- never go hungry yeah. again <laughs> 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 Which was great and would have been a big hit, you know. And I know a lot of older women from the South who read Gone with the Wind and who loved the book and who loved the movie. And, you know, it would have uh, it would have been a big hit at a pageant like this. And uh, But, yeah, when I saw that scene, I was like, okay, yeah, this is why this has been scrubbed. <laughs> because uh, you just can't acknowledge that at one point, you know, this stuff was not considered particularly offensive. Um, and it's also important to know that, you know, this is a movie about the South from a Southerner. It's not making fun of Southerners. It's like a kind of, uh, inside joke from within. It's in good fun. It's in like good humor and, you know, it's made with love. And so it's not like one of those movies where it's like, look at these hicks or something like that. That's absolutely not the tone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, it was made by somebody from South Carolina and who's just looking back fondly and and with with good humor at the mm-hmm. things that he grew up with and yeah, I mean, does it mean he's a racist? No. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it it just it's of the the time and um yeah, it's just a shame that the current climate you just can't you can't acknowledge that maybe in 1963 uh doing an interpretive dance with the confederate flag is actually <laughs> hilarious yeah. <laughs> it's also important i think that every scene with the confederate flag is always like paired with a hot girl doing some sort of provocative dancing you know so there's like <laughs> there's a lot going on <laughs> oh my god there's yeah there is a lot going on and yeah bridget fonda looks fantastic uh oh my god phoebe cates looks incredible she's so cute she's yeah so cute and her little like jackie o'hare <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the bubble flip um yeah and yeah 
the big plot thing is that Phoebe Cates, who plays Carson, is going to get married to Harley, her, like, high school sweetheart. But then, like, bad boy Buzz kind of, like, sweeps her off her feet. And then they, like, hook up on a boat. And then Harley (laughs) gets with um, Luann instead. Oh, but then, um, oh, my God, she delivers... Phoebe Cates delivers, like, I think probably one of the best lines in all of cinema. And I actually, I wrote it down. She says, y'all, I'm wild. Guess I've been wild all along. I just didn't know it until now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It's great. It's a great coming of age movie depicting, like, teen girl sexuality and the kind of anxieties and thrill of like going all the way and <laughs> all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, because <laughs> even like Buzz too um, who he he looks he's got that kind of cut rate Luke Perry thing going on with like the <laughs> eyebrows um, but I mean I never found him attractive obviously but like he, he does have a good kind of chemistry with with um phoebe cates Mm -hmm. and i think that like he's just like that perfect kind of douchey god like he's going to yale like he Mm -hmm. at one point is like i think marriage is a legal form of prostitution like that kind of like edgy Mm -hmm. um just like that edgy like young young man energy that i don't know like a certain type of like woman finds irresistible but it's all very like I don't know. It's just, it just all felt very genuine. Yeah, I think it was very realistic because Harley is very square and, like, they haven't gone all the way yet and all that stuff, you know. And where, you know, then Buzz is um, kind of more modern and uh, Phoebe Cates' as Carson is always saying, you want me to practice free love with you. And all that, <laughs> she's always saying free love. <laughs> Which is so cute. Yeah, I know. It's really cute. But it makes sense that she would be drawn to someone like that because she's, you know, been with someone who's so square and boring and, you know. And um, there's no sexual chemistry at all. Like the fact that, like, he's not even, like, pressuring her. Like, what kind of, I mean. What kind of dude? Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> like, and so just the fact that he's, like, paying attention to her and he, like, touches her boob at one point and she's like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe you did that. But then she's also, like, intrigued. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he touched my boob. Like, oh, I yeah. like this. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, it all makes sense, you know. I mean, these are iconic archetypes in, in teen movies, but they are that way for a reason. It's because they're they're real in a sense and they've, you know, like, become these repeating patterns throughout, like, art. You know. Yeah, and I think, too, what's nice about Shag is I feel like, you know, there are s- so many of these, like, kind of raunchy teen comedies told from, like, the point of view of Buzz and Chip, right? Mm-hmm. And so this totally flips it and tells it from, like, the women's point of view. Yeah, I was not very into the Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill era of, like teen movies or whatever in the 2000s i don't know do you remember it felt like every week there was a new like jonah hill fart movie coming out (laughs) (laughs) well oh my god the um 
so there was that show uh monia actually recommended it to me called the other two i don't know if you watched any of it but um at one point like because the whole thing in this one is like these two older siblings of like a young teen star but like like they, they um the teen star he's like 14 goes to like a prom and the theme of this prom is like classic hollywood and the classic hollywood is all like seth rogan like knocked up like, <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> it was really funny but um yeah, yeah that wasn't that was an era super bad um yeah yeah the seth rogan genre yeah, I'm like I don't like I can't even remember much about Superbad, but you know, those movies were not like good. You know, I feel like there's almost an attempt to pretend those movies were good because everything is so bad now and I'm like no. <laughs> good is something like Shag. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing too is that like so many movies now um cuz well, when I was talking about Shag with my Gen X coworker, he was saying that like he saw the new Lady Ghostbusters and thought it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, there are no real, like, jokes in it. And I was like, yeah, because everything is improvised now, like, thanks to the whole Seth Rogen thing. Like, oh, like really? nobody writes a script. Any- like, it's just all, like, improvised. Like, that Lady Ghostbusters was just, like, improvised, and they, like, found it in the cutting room. I'm like, that's not how you write a movie. Like, Shag is how you write a movie. They're, like, number one, you need, like, a Confederate flag bikini. Uh, yeah. I think that's, like, crucial. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you need at least, like, three dance sequences. Like, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Well, also, actors are dumb. Like, you should not be trusting them to just come up with dialogue on their own. I mean, imagine when it like, you know, people like my age and younger are left to do that. They're gonna just be like, what's up, bussin' bussin', no cap. Like, oh my God, bestie. Like, what are they gonna say? They don't know how to like make dialogue. It's gonna be awful. Well, it's gonna be like a TikTok, but then like sort of buffeted on either side by like massive CGI sequences. They're just, yeah, they're gonna like AI they're going to superimpose AI, like, dialogue into the... <laughs> oh, and there's going to be no... It's If there's any dancing, it's going to be, like, a 30-second TikTok, TikTok dancing, yeah. Yeah. I hate TikTok dancing. Oh, my God. It's so annoying to me because it's the worst kind of restricted movement because you have to stay within the frame of your iPhone camera. And so it's just these tight little weird um staccato movements and it's really just ugly i think kenny ortega needs to do something (laughs) oh my god kenny ortega needs to like i don't know i mean maybe has he retired against all of it (laughs) yes yeah he needs to just start his own tiktok channel where he teaches you how to properly like yes (laughs) yes Um, but yeah, yeah, so I guess, yeah, get the DVD of Shag from Amazon, uh, and also, while you're there, read the reviews, which are all amazing, and they're all written by people who were around in 1963, and just, like, love the time period. (laughs) Like, it's all, like, women, probably, like, Karen and Carson and whatever, um, Mm -hmm. buying this DVD and reminiscing, it's pretty great. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, the um, moving on to High School Musical, which 
I am not the target audience for this by any means, but I loved it. I mm-hmm. remember like I saw High School Musical 3 like in the theaters um, mm-hmm. as a big HSM head. I even I interviewed uh, Lucas Grubiel for my blog at the time. And that's how into it I was. That's awesome. Yeah, I read that interview. Yeah, I had to dig it up out of uh, cold storage, but I think, you know, <laughs> I think it's worth it. I <laughs> can't Number one, you've got to raise the bar. Kicking and scratching, grinding out my best. Anything it takes to climb the ladder of success. Work our tails off every day. And gotta bump the competition, blow them all away. Caliente. Suave. Yeah, we're gonna bop, 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 bop to the top. Slip and slide and ride that rhythm. Jump and pop, pop. Well, I was the target audience for High School Musical, and I remember very clearly seeing the premiere of the first movie live as it aired. And I, so I didn't have cable growing up, so just by a fluke, I was at a friend's house, and my friend and I and her mom decided to turn on Disney Channel, and this movie, like, was airing and we were like okay like we'll give it a shot and I don't think people quite remember but the made for tv Disney movies back in the day were never considered that great and you had kind of low expectations going in and so none of us expected them I expected High School Musical to be as good as it was and I remember being completely floored because first of all and I think this is very important the cast is so beautiful that like if you're you know like a tween or like you know I was like what nine like a young you know person they're like just the most gorgeous things you've ever seen in your life and the music was so fun the choreography was incredible like it blew me away and it became a sensation obviously and then I saw the premiere of the second one and I saw the third one in the theater as well so (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was the creepy old lady in the back um taking notes (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I came across the second one because I had been going through like a pretty tough time and I had um treated myself like I had scrounged and saved up and treated myself to a weekend at Disney World which you know the happiest place on earth um I still love going to Disney but yeah I was just like in um a hotel room bed by myself and I had like flipped on the TV and it happened to be like very like the very beginning of High School Musical 2 I didn't know any of the characters I didn't know the plot or you know I didn't know anything but I watched that like entire movie and I loved it like I came back from that trip to Disney and like 
bought the DVDs. I bought like the soundtracks. Um, yeah, I like I went hard. Mm-hmm. Well, it was it's good. I mean, it's just good. You know, like adults can appreciate the effort that went into it and. Yeah, it, it just seemed so high budget for a TV movie. Like, that was the big thing that really stood out about it, you know. Um, and I, my favorite of the three is definitely the first one. Because I just think overall it's the strongest movie. See, I'm a, I'm a two uh, fan. Yeah. I love two. <laughs> and, like, the third one... I kind of like map it on to Star Wars almost like it's got that same kind of vibe where like the first one is the classic obviously Mm -hmm. like it tells like the complete story like it's you know the second one kind of branches out a bit it's a little more ambiguous about what's happening and then the third one is just like the first one but on a bigger screen yes and the third one you can kind of tell that the cast is like thank God I'm almost done. (laughs) There's kind of an energy where you can tell that they're like ready to move on. And they all, I think, assumed they would have successful careers after, which didn't happen for like anyone except Zac Efron, really. Um, And they also look significantly older, at least some of them do. And so it's kind of like, it's just not quite as strong, I think, as the other two. And um, Well, all the women in the third one got those like, like late 2000s um like that long wavy hair that like yes. was de rigueur like of the era and which i thought was i don't know it was just funny like watching it in 2023 and be like oh yeah like every woman in hollywood like had that hair because it yes. was like the um <laughs> like there were like the final scenes of like or the final seasons of like buffy the vampire slayer like they all got that like long like everybody had like the long hair with like little triangle where you could like see the face i don't know why yeah like the layers like the weird kind of 2000s layers crunchy like it looked kind of crunchy and unhealthy (laughs) yeah and they all like they all like every single woman in that film I, i guess except uh monique i think she's just got like the little like a little bob that's probably a wig mm-hmm yeah, they all they all got the do. Um, and so, well, well, let's start. Okay, so let's start back at like the so the first one, Disney Channel original movie, a decom. And um, yeah, directed by Kenny Ortega. I think this was like his attempt to get back into directing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, it's, um, yeah, very kind of self-contained story um kind of the classic like Greece uh two students from opposite sides of like the school cliques kind of discover a love of theater (laughs) (laughs) yes it's very Greece inspired because Troy and Gabriella meet um at a ski lodge and it's like New Year's Eve and they don't um, they don't know that Gabrielle is going to be attending East High, I don't think. And so, like, it's kind of this romantic, magical moment where they do karaoke together. Um, and then Gabriella shows up at Troy's high school, and then everything kind of goes topsy-turvy, as it does in Greece with Sandy. Um, and, you know, 
Gabrielle is a math nerd and Troy is a basketball player, but they like to sing and that's just not allowed. And Queen Bee theater girl, who's actually a drag queen, Sharpay, <laughs> and her swishy twin brother um, are not pleased that these people are trying to, you know, invade their theater department. And um, Sharpay is especially uh, upset about Gabriella because she has an enormous crush on Troy who is completely oblivious to her and absolutely not interested whatsoever which is again why I think Sharpay is a stand-in for gay boys because she's like endlessly pursuing this straight guy who will never ever even give her a second look <laughs> oh my god I love Sharpay she in my mind uh she's really the heroine of all of these films because <laughs> It even like maybe this is just because I saw them as an adult first um, but yeah like the central romance is just kind of dudsville like uh, <laughs> like I'm sorry like Vanessa and Zach like I love them both but they have no chemistry together and um, really I, I yeah maybe Ooh. it's because I was impressionable when I saw it <laughs> yeah I don't I just don't feel it um, but it's kind of funny too because like um like one of the themes kind of running through all three movies really is just this subtext of like, you know, Troy and Gabriella, like they just want to sing. They just want to stand up on stage and sing into a microphone. And that's like considered um, like this is very authentic, genuine, um, just this, this like very natural thing. And then meanwhile, Sharpay and Ryan, um, they are always sort of backed up by like they have arrangements and dancers and um, mm -hmm. backup singers and all of this stuff that's meant to be kind of superficial and fake and like, oh, my God, like who would want that? And I'm always like, I, those are the songs and the dances and everything that I love best. And I think that like mm -hmm. those are the ones that are most memorable for me anyway, like um so in the first one, uh, Ryan and Sharpay do this amazing number called Bop to the Top. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's called mm -hmm. like jazz squares and um, it's very charming. But yeah, like I would rather watch that a billion times than hear uh, uh, Troy and Gabriella like ballad together. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're like when they're on screen together it's mostly just like them making eyes at each other or because neither neither of them are dancers uh zach or vanessa and so um they do like like vanessa's always doing like these wavy arm wavy <laughs> arms <laughs> like rolling yeah. around like on top of the piano or whatever as poor poor uh, kelsey sitting there playing yes um yeah i think kelsey was having a good time so <laughs> <laughs> I think she wished uh um Gabriella was singing to her but she's yeah. like the big she's like the big shipper of the uh the crew. She's always trying to get Troy and Gabriella together. Yeah. Well, I you know, I I see what you're saying and I've heard that opinion. I just think that like and maybe it's because I was young and impressionable and got like sissy hypnoed into believing <laughs> the the chemistry, but I don't know, like, Zanessa was a big freaking deal back in the day. Like, you know, like, like, Zac Efron and Vanessa Hudgens were, you know, really, um, 
the like celebrity couple for well, they were like the robin case do of like robston yeah. they were like the robston of like the preteen set yes and so like i think the driving theme of the movies actually is this notion and i think there's truth to it that you can have all the glitz all the glamour all the gimmick in the world but if someone is just more attractive and has a certain charisma like people will look to that instead and i think that is like the frustrating failure and like driving force of like Sharpay as a character which is that like no matter what she does like she will never surpass um Troy and Gabriella because people want to see the the romance and the cute couple and all that stuff and so I find that kind of conflict which is present in every movie to be really interesting um and I think there's like a realism there in terms of like what people are drawn to. And um, there was also this idea in the 2000s that things that were like manufactured pop were bad and stupid. And like the real artistry was when you just bleed it over an acoustic guitar, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Which if you've seen uh, poor Ashley Teasdale's like YouTube channel is there's a lot of that happening. Um, uh, I feel so, I, you know, you know what happened with Ashley Teasdale is that she made the Jennifer Grey mistake yes, and she got she, a nose job. Total, total mistake, yeah. She should not have done that because she would have been Barbara Streisand kind of vibe and could have, you know, had that kind of funny girl thing going, but now she made the Jennifer Grey mistake, and where is she now? Nobody's heard from her. <laughs> yeah, which is a shame. I mean, she's adorable. She's so adorable. I, I really, mm -hmm. I loved her, and I loved um, Lucas. Again, no one's heard from him. Um, Corbin Blue is now, I thought he's like, yeah, it's, it's so funny, like, watching these, like, I just watched them all again, like, this week, and I just really wanted to fast forward whenever it was Troy and Gabriella. I'm like, I just want like literally everyone else. I want like Corbin. <laughs> I want like, I want, cause you know, well, okay. So like, um, the, the second movie, like Ryan Sharpay's brother gets a lot more time to shine. And, you know, you talk about like dumb actors. He's actually very, uh, smart. Like I love, mm -hmm. I love Lucas. And, through the thread of those movies, you can see him, like, really putting in, like, all this subtext in the background because he was sort of like a one-note character that kind of, um, you know, really worked his way into that second movie um, pretty yeah. hardcore. But he, um, he has this thread that I'm positive is just him uh, making eyes at Zeke, who's the basketball player that allegedly is supposed to be crushing on Sharpay, but again, back to your theory, probably like, is... But Sharpay, uh, I think Zeke is gay. So oh, Zeke is a gay 10,000%. And that's why you always see Ryan in the background, like, whenever Zeke comes around, he's always making eyes at him. And if you watch him, too, like, whenever they're in, like, a dance number, he's always, like, looking back, like, over at Zeke. And I'm like, mm-hmm, yep. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to watch again. I just rewatched all the movies. I'm going to have to watch again to see that. But yeah, Zeke was always real fruity. I mean, anyone oh, who's yeah. making creme brulee, I don't think so. <laughs> like, 
But that's yeah, that's the thing too. That the hint that Sharpay is kind of like a stand-in for gay boys is that there is this like out-ish in a way gay boy who wants her, and she's like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I want Troy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. No, I think that Lucas did a really good job as Ryan, and the the outfits that Ryan wears. Oh my so, god, they're so the good. Fedora, the like, little shorts, a, a new fedora for every scene. <laughs> Like, when they make him the choreographer in the third movie, um, and I swear he's just doing, like, a Kenny Ortega impression, like, when he's on, like, up on stage. And there's, yes. like, the one scene he's, like, choreographing, like, quote-unquote, um, like, Gabriella, and, like, they're doing the wavy arms, and I'm like, I bet he just saw Kenny Ortega doing that and is just, like, mimicking. It's so funny. Oh, totally. I think that, like, Kenny kind of put himself in the character of Ryan because I read an interview that he did and he said that he had discussed the character of Ryan with Lucas and that they like crafted this whole story that like Ryan was gay, but he wasn't going to come out until college and all this. And I'm just like, I love that they like wrote their own little fanfic about like Ryan coming out and being a proud gay man when he's off at Juilliard or whatever. Oh my God. I love that so much. Yes. Yeah. No, Ryan is like the best character in all of these movies. He's so good. Um, it's yeah, but I also love like um yeah Corbin Blue is like fantastic um so yeah, cute he's I, so I had like cute. a genuine crush on like everyone in this movie like because I mean I think Zac Efron looked pretty girly <laughs> well he had like that I mean it was like the proto like Harry Styles hair right like didn't or what did Harry Styles have Zac Efron hair Zac Efron did brought he... back that hair. Yeah. Okay. Like I, I want to set this record straight. Please. People think it was Justin Bieber, but it was Zac Efron who brought back that hairstyle, which was a kind of, you know, um, reference to the the teeny boppers of the '60s, like the Beatles and stuff. You know, so it's that kind of shaggy hairstyle. Um, and he has and, these incredible eyes too. Like they just, yeah, like piercing blue eyes and in the second movie they're particularly piercing because he he's his hair is darker so you mm. can like really see the contrast but yeah i just like but he's like and he's so twinky too in those first 
yes. two movies, which is just very funny because he's supposed to be a, um, you know, this like basketball star, but he's like five foot four. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like a hundred pounds. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah, uh, exactly. very theater. I love it. Yeah. But he, he and Corbin Blue and Vanessa Hudgens and everyone were just like, so like beautiful and. Corbin um, Blue is like glowing through yeah. all of these movies he's just like got this inner glow he looks fantastic and that um it's funny like whenever him and zach are dancing together and zach he has many talents um actually i, I like him as an actor a lot um but he, he's not a dancer and so corbin really carries the both of them like a lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and it's but in a way that unless you're actually watching the dance like you wouldn't you wouldn't really notice which again is like the sign of a good dancer i think that he can um he can kind of make up for the shortcomings of his partner without calling attention to them um just Mm -hmm. such a talent yes definitely he's very talented and um I he was good on Dancing with the Stars, <laughs> and <laughs> then the he only also, dance he we get. A, it's so unfair. He what? It's that's the only dance that we get is like Dancing with the Stars. Like it's so unfair. Like there's no like yeah. where is the dance? It's like TikTok or Dancing with the Stars or nothing. I I used to be obsessed with Dancing with the Stars. It's like the weirdest obsession I ever had was like knowing all the stats of Dancing with the Stars and being obsessed with it. Because yeah, it was the only it's the only kind of pop culture especially ballroom, which is like so unpopular, you know, um, it was so fun. Um, but, uh, Corbin Blue somewhat recently did, um, a performance of Mine Air from Cabaret and he did a really good job. Like he is a very good, uh, you know, like thespian. And, uh, so, you know, I hope he's, I hope he's doing well. <laughs> Bye. Bye. But now it's over And though I used to care I need the open air You're better off without me, mine hair Dab your eye, mine hair of our you know like talent to star pipeline that like these genuine talents like Corbin Blue just sort of end up 
in in the ether because there's no roles like what is a guy like that supposed to do i mean i guess like like do a marvel movie i mean oh gosh you know what i mean like where like (laughs) there's no but i mean this is like the common refrain like there's no stars like there's just no like he can't be gene kelly because we don't have a gene kelly you know yeah it's very true i don't know yeah it's it's just i think we live in a very cynical period and i think you know in decades past people like Corbin Blue would have had a more successful career post high school musical, but there isn't that like market for musicals and stuff now, you know, outside of like children's media. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too with like, um, so when I was um, like, when I was watching these high school musicals, um, like I was super into like Bollywood and the whole reason I even interviewed Lucas was because I had a Bollywood blog at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was doing, um, like, Bollywood podcasting and stuff. And um, it was kind of interesting just watching, um, like, the the way that that third movie, um, the way that it used songs was just very different from the, the made-for-TV ones. And yeah. it just had the stamp of, like, the Hollywood, you know, board of whatever that that you could just tell that they didn't trust the audience to accept a song like um (laughs) that incredible like from high school musical 2 where troy is like all dressed in black and like singing (laughs) yes bet on it bet on it bet on it on a golf course (laughs) like just singing to himself on a golf course and he like at one point um he's like looking in the mirror like in the uh reflection of himself like in the water and like yeah yeah, just classic um in love with his image like narcissus or whatever yes i love it um subtext everybody's always talking at me everybody's trying to get in my head I wanna listen to my own heart talking. I need to count on myself instead. Don't you ever lose yourself to get the true one? Don't you ever get on a ride and wanna get off? Don't you ever push away the ones you should have held close? Did you ever let go? Did you ever not know? I'm not gonna stop, that's who I am. I'll give it all I got, that is my plan. Will I find what I lost? But like High School Musical 3, most of it is, most of the songs, not all of them, but most of them are set on a stage in a very kind of deliberate um, theater setting um, that makes it, it just makes it very stagey and um, it, yeah, and it's something that you see a lot um, in that actually this has kind of leaked its way into contemporary Bollywood, which is one of the reasons I really stopped um watching it was just that this idea of like the classic movie musical where characters just sort of burst into song and they sing their feelings and it's a song and there's a dance and a performance 
in that like that for whatever reason um like hollywood doesn't think we understand how like the the artifice of that and so mm-hmm. they want to give you these songs that are either like diegetic where you're actually like the characters are actually singing in like a karaoke or um like on stage mm-hmm. um or it's like a montage or something like that's all you get now yeah because for years cynics were like oh this is so stupid like why are they singing like this is so unrealistic like that was like yeah that was considered a legitimate criticism and it's like okay bitch it's a musical like right like oh oh my god it's gonna happen (laughs) like okay so that soaring like orchestral score like is the orchestra like hiding behind the couch right now like it's so like it's a movie it's all fake yeah (laughs) yeah and like you know I still, like, (laughs) I love my dad, but, like, sometimes we'll be watching things like this, and then he'll, like, when I'm visiting my parents, and he'll be like, why are they singing? And I'm like, why wouldn't they be singing right now? It's a musical, you know? But, like, that was such a dominant talking point, I think, for so long, and so now there's this kind of sense of embarrassment, and it's like, and by the time High School Musical 3 came out, there was that sense of embarrassment I think and I remember not liking that when I went to see it in the theater 100% same because I was like why like why are they doing this weird stagey thing like they don't need to do that like it wasn't as fun I think because there weren't those um set changes like it was all just on a stage with like stage props and well and it was a it was more self-consciously like a show versus actually telling the kind of um emotional journey of the characters because i i watched a little bit of glee i wasn't like a glee <laughs> or anything but um i oh my God, I, <laughs> <laughs> but there's also um, one of the reasons i even stopped watching glee was because they made that same transition where kind of the earlier episodes there would be these sort of you know the characters would just sing their feelings and that really stopped um and it became more like the um high school musical three where it was very deliberate like this is a show yeah i i agree i i stopped watching glee pretty early on Same. because it just I, the evil energy emanating from it <laughs> and the way that it was demonic. so topical it was always like addressing the news you know like they were like always having some uh very kind of headline based plot it seemed and i just got tired of that you yeah, know i think that show is demonic i don't <laughs> i don't i don't i don't think anything good came out of glee like at all like it, that show is cursed um yeah. <laughs> it deserves to be um there's a lot of things that i complain about getting memory hold i wish that we would memory hold glee i think we should just <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um i i think there would not have been a glee without high school musical you know like high school musical kind of set a trend for a period and like disney tried to recreate the magic with other made for tv movies like jump in and then lemonade mouth and i liked jump in because i liked like you know the people who starred in that but like lemonade mouth i don't remember what that was like they never quite recreated the magic of high school musical when a big part of that has to be the legend kenny ortega because (laughs) you know he's this he had this real old-fashioned 
show business eye for um, like scene composition and um, and just like the energy of of those movies too um, yeah it just has this very like sort of classic Hollywood movie musical vibe to it that I think without somebody like Kenny involved you're not you're just not going to get it yeah and Kenny Ortega is of that older generation of gays who know everything and um, he knows how to choreograph any style of dance. Like, I see a lot of mambo. I see, like, jazz and hip-hop and soul dance. I see, like, all kinds of styles come through in High School Musical. And um, the third one, I think, is the weakest overall. But I do really like the number Night to Remember when they start doing some kind of like mambo cha-cha and there's like a Latin rhythm to it. Like that one, that was a really fun number and the, the choreography was really good there. really love the um the ryan and sharpay number um i want it all i want it all yeah yes. well, she's doing her best liza she's got like a cabaret oh. get up on at one point with the bob <laughs> she looks amazing and that little like um leotard with like all the like the fringe hanging off it yeah, yeah. Very classic yeah and then, and then ryan is with the rockettes Oh, his well, because he can actually dance. And so again, but he's so good that he can kind of carry um, Ashley, who's not a dancer, and kind of make it look natural. Because um, yeah. a lot of times he is like kind of dancing around her. That is true. See, I, and I didn't even pick up on that really, because I feel like Ashley is such a star. Like she just really like, you don't even notice that she's not the strongest exactly. dancer because she's just like... It is interesting how, you know, being... she's an actress, like, so yeah. she's, she's acting and exactly. she can, she can make it look like she's dancing even when she's really not. Yeah, exactly. And she's such, and Sharpay is such an interesting amalgam of 2000s divas, which is why she's like the perfect thing for gay boys to project onto because she's like Paris Hilton. She's a little bit Britney 
She's a little bit Hilary Duff. She's a little bit of all the blondes of that era, like combined into one queenie over the top diva with a little dog, you know, who wants to be on top. And I believe that dog is Kenny Ortega's actual dog. (laughs) I could be wrong, but I think that dog is Kenny Ortega's like little, little dog. That is cute. (laughs) Imagine having everything we ever dreamed. Don't you want it? Maybe. Can't you see it? Kinda. Imagine first audition after college. I get the lead. Apart from me? Well, of course. Yeah, right. You've got to believe it. Keep talking. You and I, all the fame. Sharpay, what's his name? Sound exciting? Inviting. Let's do it then. Listening. Personal stylist, agent, and a publicist. But where do I fit into this? With you, we can win. Win the part. Think bigger. Become superstars. That's better. But the other thing that's interesting, um, just in that, like, to speak to the kind of gay, I guess it's not even, like, subtext um, of this film, are, like, all of the adults are just these massive caricatures of, like, Mm -hmm. so, like, Troy's dad is, (laughs) like, I remember watching this with my sister, and we were just laughing so hard because he's such a, I don't, like, he's he doesn't come across as like an adult heterosexual man, like in any, any way. Like he's just, he just wants to be like with his boys. I think in the second one, um, Troy's mom comes in at one point and tells them all to like bring the groceries in from the car. And he's like, yes, Mrs. Bolton, like with the other guy, like he's just coded as like this kind of older yeah, it's, it's giving gay porno stepdad, and it's very, like, <laughs> like... Or just, like, recapturing his youth gay guy, like, hanging around the scene yes. just a little bit too long, like, it's definitely yeah. a type. Yeah, definitely, and then, I'm trying to think, okay, the other adults, so there's the theater teacher who... <laughs> it's really funny and the scene in the first movie when she walks into the boys locker room oh my god yes i was like that would never happen now like people would be like freaking out <laughs> yeah she'd be like fired for sexual harassment it's so fun but she's just like again i think you're i think much like sharpay she's kind of a stand-in for a kind of queeny older gay yeah. guy <laughs> Well, and and that on that point, I was kind of shocked this go around with the third movie that Sharpay at the end stays in New Mexico and is going to help with the theater department. And I'm like, that is such a gay guy path to be like, I'm going to be a star theater person and then just like 
stay and be a theater teacher and like become the next yeah <laughs> the next iteration of the theater teacher whose name I'm forgetting right now um oh Miss Darbus Darbus yeah like Sharpay yeah. is becoming the next Miss Darbus who I think is a very striking woman but does have a resemblance to Mrs. Doubtfire just saying <laughs> Um, so there's definitely that going on. But she's definitely, I mean, I guess it's like an amalgamation of like of everything too, but cause she does have that kind of woman of a certain age with the scarves and she looks <laughs> like she listens to Carol King, um, and has like a lot of shabby chic, like around her, uh, yeah. <laughs> like her condo. Um, but also, yeah, she definitely has that, you know, the spring musicale. Like, it's just a very affected way of speaking. Um, yeah. And then, oh, the second one has the incredible, um, I don't even know his name, um, who's the uh, sort of the head of the golf club. Yes. And he's gay, too. Wow, I'm, like, realizing everyone is just a gay guy in this movie. <laughs> but, but he's that kind of gay that you would find in, like, sitcoms in, like, the 1970s played by somebody, like, um, there's, like, a million of these sort of gay character mm -hmm. actors um, that, you know, that would play roles like this. Or, like, yeah. um, Mr. Belvedere or whatever. You know, like, that kind mm -hmm. of sitcom-y role. But it was just a very certain type. Let me look up his name. Yeah, definitely. And then there's the character of Sharpay and Ryan's mom, and she's the only adult that I, adult that I would say is not a gay guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's very quintessential cougar vibes, like doing her yoga and her Pilates. And uh, I love in the third movie when Sharpay and Ryan's parents go to India, and then they come back in time for the senior musical, and she has like a bindi on. Like the parents have yeah. like Indian. <laughs> clothing on it's like really funny well and that too i think was a nod to how popular um high school musical was in india and because i was again like i was super into bollywood at the time and so i after high school musical you did get a handful of clearly high school musical influenced movies coming out um because this disney channel um they even had i think I want to say they may have even had like a special song for the Indian version of High School Musical, <laughs> um, which if I can find it, I'll I'll link to it. Um, but yeah, there was a great movie called Student of the Year that kind of um, played on some of these tropes and some sort of more lower budget ones. But yeah, it like this was huge in India. Mm -hmm. I believe that. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was funny. Okay, so Thomas Fulton, the manager of Lava Springs. Right, Fulton. Mark Taylor. <laughs> Mark Taylor is the actor. Oh, it doesn't have much on him. He looks like he's done a ton of stuff. Oh, oh Paul Lind. That's who I'm thinking of. Paul Lind, who is like a super campy actor from, like he was in Hollywood Squares. Like he would play a role like this. I think he's in Bye Bye Birdie. But oh, like, oh. yeah, he would take a role like this. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, Kenny Ortega coming through and, and kind of <laughs> uh, putting these these kind of archetypes on the screen and, you know, the the little kids have no idea what's going on. <laughs> right, but it's also, it's, again, it's, like, very loving. Like, I don't... Yeah, absolutely. He's not, yeah, like, Fulton, um, he's kind of this put-upon guy, but he's not the butt of every joke. Like, you kind of feel for, you kind of feel for the guy. 
Yeah, because he's getting bullied by Sharpay all the time. Because <laughs> she's fabulous. Yeah, because she wants <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> oh, and um, another one is the um, that like amazing tiki number that they do. Oh my god! Wait, yeah, that okay. That actually, I don't call things Lynchian very often, but that is very much giving like waiting room, like weird Twin Peaks, surreal, huma huma nuku nuku. <laughs> yeah, because they have like it's all they like go into sort of like kabuki like stage stuff at one point, and yeah, um, yeah, it's pretty intense. Um, but There's like a that's volcano. yeah yeah but again it's like that very old hollywood like glitz and glamour that you're not going to see a number like that well and then also i guess it would be considered like culturally insensitive now but yeah it's just of the like it's a throwback to when all of that tiki stuff was just super popular yeah the the kind of beach the beach movie oh what's the, the, the oh, iconic like, actors yeah, yeah um, uh, Frankie Avalon and Annette Fiancello, yes. which, oh my god, uh, I should have had you watch this movie too because I bet you haven't seen it. It's called Back to the Beach. I haven't seen that one. Oh my god, there's a pretty great Annette Fiancello dance number in that, but it's another <laughs> one of these like 1980s movies looking back at like the early 60s. And um, Frankie and Annette play like the parents of this teenager, um, and Lori Laughlin. Uh, is their daughter and she's like hooking up with this guy um like in california and they like stop to they like stop over and like stuff happens and there's like a surfing sequence but there's like a billion cameos from people like paul rubens and um like dick dale is in it like it's it's very funny not many people can cha-cha-cha not everybody can do the twist but everybody can do the star. It's the new dance you can't resist. Star, star, star. Jamaica star. But everybody can do the star. It's the new dance you can't resist. Now bow your head and swing your arms. Shake your hips. Now do a dip. Nice. Well, I. Do you remember Teen Beach movie? Did you ever watch that? Oh no, that one I haven't seen. I should watch it. Well, that that one's interesting because that um, was like pulling from the you know beach movie, the Teen Beach movies of the '60s and. I think was uh, a slightly more successful attempt at recreating the magic of High School Musical. I think it's like the most successful attempt at recreating that magic. And um, that came out, I want to say like 2014. So I was like a little older. So I was kind of like embarrassed to be watching it. (laughs) But But the thing about Teen Beach Movie is that it wasn't just homoerotic. It was like... It was just gay. Like the like everyone was gay, you know, like the boys just did not seem interested at all whatsoever in the girls. The girls did not seem interested whatsoever in the boys. It was really funny 
to watch that play out on screen. And the cast was very um, attractive, very cute. Some of the songs were, were pretty fun. And I, I think Kenny Ortega did that. Maybe not. Oh, well, that reminds me. There was another one. And I think it was just called Psycho Beach Party. Have you seen that one? No. Was that a Disney? Wait, what was no. that? No. Okay, this came out in 2000. I love this movie. It's, um, oh my God. It is, oh God, it's Lauren Ambrose stars in it. And it's, um, oh, okay. Yeah, it's based on an off-Broadway play by Charles Bush. Um, and it's kind of a parody of like these early 60s films. Um, and Lauren Ambrose plays like kind of a Gidget type character um but i believe her character is played by charles bush in drag like in the off-broadway play (laughs) so it's uh also very gay um but it's hilarious i've seen psycho beach party more times than i can count i love it wow i'll have to watch that one and you should watch teen beach movie we can have like a beach beach movie episode yeah a beach episode (laughs) with endless summer too (laughs) But yeah, you know, the the magic of High School Musical is yet to really be recreated. And like I said earlier, it's kind of a shame that, you know, uh, the only person to really have a successful career post High School Musical is Zac Efron. And like Vanessa Hudgens is kind of a distant second in that regard because she did star in spring breakers but what else has she been in you know like i i ask people to name like (laughs) anything else that she has done was she in sucker punch or am i wait oh was she in sucker because i haven't seen that oh that one is pretty good or at least it was when i saw it in the theaters um it's like pretty actresses in like Right, just like hot girls with guns or whatever. Basically, yeah. That was, yeah, because we had talked about, I remember the backlash to that, because by the time that came out, the like budding feminist press was like learning how to issue their decrees against movies (laughs) that feature women that they thought were too pretty or whatever. I have like, (laughs) I have like whole diatribes against like the Jezebel the Jezebel press there's ugh, yeah ugh. um yeah mm-hmm. I, I I think she was in that but yeah she did kind of these like star- she was. Yeah. starlet roles but I swear I saw her I think the last thing I saw her in was like a like a Hallmark movie or something where she played a yeah. baker but also yeah, right. her yeah, she her was twin was like a princess <laughs> yes she had like a twin or something <laughs> i don't was this on netflix i don't even remember where I yes saw it. okay now i remember <laughs> but it was like kind of the um it was like kind of boring though it wasn't even as good as the because i did watch the Lindsay lohan one um i watched that too yeah <laughs> which was actually pretty entertaining yeah it was cute it was it was fun to see Lilo return to, you know, film. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I used to love her. Um, yeah. And then, um, yeah, the Vanessa one was just not, it just didn't have it. Vanessa Hudgens is, I think, a particular kind of actress who needs to be, like, molded a certain way by, like, a strong director. And um, I don't... I don't think that's happening really now because of the the way that movies are so like bureaucratized and 
HR (laughs) is hovering at all times. Uh, So, you know, I hope she can, she can be in something big though. Yeah. I was listening to an interview. Oh, I forget the guy's name. He was talking about how like art today, like so much of it is just, it does feel like it's coming from these sort of institutions. It's not there's no like auteur anymore like elena Mm -hmm. dunham making girls like that was Mm -hmm. a singular vision Mm -hmm. um or like kenny ortega with high school musical like you can sense his (laughs) vision (laughs) (laughs) the auteur uh i will die on that hill um but like today like it's just everything is coming from it just feels like it's uh either like the ip is the star so you have like spider-man and iron man or an endless disney remake of Mm -hmm. another thing that was way better uh (laughs) or it's just um yeah like coming from like an ai wrote the script and they just sort of plugged in like okay vanessa hudgens in this movie yes they don't they don't let writers and directors have the same control that they used to because i don't know if you watched the L word. I'm like assuming you watched the L word. <laughs> I watched the old L word. I didn't watch the new L word, but I, oh, for sure. I watched the old L word. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's the one thing we have. So, you know, but the, oh, it was the so new, good. It was, so gen- good. <laughs> it was so good. I will die on the hill that every season of the L word is good in its own way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's so good and it predicted everything. Oh my God. It did. Well, and that's the thing, like some of the stuff that was like a joke, in the original L word is that now we're supposed to take it seriously. And I'm uh-huh. like, re- like the male lesbian, I was like, yeah, we're supposed to take that seriously now. Like, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah and people will say that L word is problematic because of that particular episode, you know? And so there's the L word is considered like taboo now in a way, like the original one. Mm. Um, and I'm like, no, the L word is amazing and incredible. And I will stand by that. Um, but what I was going to say is that Gen Q, the horrible like sequel to the L word, is notorious for being like terrible. Like everyone hated it. You know, like even people who are totally tasteless hated it, and it totally sucked. And one reason why is because, first of all, the writers were not nearly as good as the original series, but also um, the network would not allow certain things and would veto things and the network seemed to have a much larger say in what made it to the final cut you know and that caused a lot of I think the terrible creative decisions and that's why the creator just like cut ties and is gonna like make a new sequel now based in New York or whatever <laughs> which hopefully the new will be new word. <laughs> yeah yeah so, yeah that which is just kind of like I don't like our our profit margins so thin now that that everything just has to kind of be super bland or just so within these like strict boundaries so that some writer at like some TV recapper is not going to going to be like oh that's problematic and then like the 50 yeah. people reading whatever like Onion AV Club um are going to do a twitter hashtag and then like cancel it yeah cancel well that's it? what the fear is i think that there's been a fear and it's it's not unfounded 
that, you know, if you make something too problematic, um, problematic, quote unquote, yeah, um, <laughs> that you'll be like uh, witch hunted and networks aren't willing to run that risk. And we're starting to see that change a little bit with some of the stuff that's on HBO. But it's just shocking because Showtime had Queer as Folk and The L Word on at one point. And to see that they're like so tame now, that they're afraid now, less than they were during the Bush administration, you know, like it's just, it's like, wow, like it's the haze code. Like we live in a haze code moment, which I don't think people realize, but that is what what happens now on, on movie sets. Like, yeah. People yeah. veto things. Yeah, when I was uh, much, much, much younger, um, so my I was raised Catholic, and uh, my mom used to get the what's it like the Catholic Standard or whatever, like the newspaper, <laughs> and, <laughs> and there would always be movie reviews in there. But the movie reviews would be like, there's swearing, there's like, um, yeah, you, they like they would list out like essentially like all the problematic. Things. Yeah, like, like the parental watch thing. Yeah. Where they, yeah. But now I feel like that's just every movie review, except it'll be like, oh, uh, in one scene, there's a, a white girl who has dreads. So just trigger warning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like there's a sex scene in this movie. Be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are some non-consensually displayed boobs. <laughs> the movie doesn't ask you first if you're okay with seeing the boobs it just shows them and it was violence against me so, yeah um, that is literally what it's been for the nipples, past decade like, no it's terrible like in some ways it makes watching something like girls just so refreshing i'm like yeah just let's get those boobs out there like it's just yeah it's um it's yeah this the new pr- the new prudity but it's kind of funny like i've gotten i mean this is the idol cast like i've gotten very deep into um like sort of uh idol things and um one of the things that's really taken off in kind of recent years is um these k-pop acts one of the ways that they will generate publicity is by um transgressing some of these numerous boundaries and um generating that backlash on twitter and like getting whatever it is trending mm-hmm. and this happens it didn't like this didn't used to happen all the time but now it's like constant with especially with newer acts that just really want to get their name out there and they'll have like um you know one of the members will like I don't know, uh, yeah, like have dreads or, um, <laughs> it'll be like too sexy. Um, so this, one of the acts that I actually really like them, um, they're called new jeans and they're all like, <laughs> I think the youngest one, maybe like 14, the, the, gr- this girl group, the older ones, maybe like 16, 17, mm-hmm. but they had this song called cookie. Um, mm-hmm. that was basically like, Hey boy, want to taste my cookie? <laughs> <laughs> And it's like a really catchy song, but it generated this like massive backlash. Um, but you know what? Like people listened, like it works. I got London cookie. Now do we 
Etc. are relearning, mm-hmm. which is that all press is good press, and that like they can kind of start to use that to their advantage. Like if people are going to be that reactive and that offended by minor things like that, then you like you can use that to your advantage, you know, and you can generate this. It's very easy to piss people off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess the key though is that like the the material has to be good enough to back it up mm-hmm. otherwise you just will be canceled and then that's it um, yeah that is very true yeah and i feel like that's that's kind of the piece that's missing like with new jeans like they actually they're a cute group like there's they are very appealing and so there was this massive backlash it drew attention to the group but like the group is very appealing and their songs are good so it mm-hmm. worked out, but if that's not the case, it can just totally backfire. Yeah, that is very true. And then you just have people harassing teenagers, like, on Twitter or Instagram or whatever for no reason. Yeah, that's just absurd. But I wonder, you know, I feel like the tide is turning and things are kind of calming a little bit. Like, I feel like people are tired of the constant outrage thing, like... So I don't know what to expect, I guess, going forward, but I would say that maybe more interesting transgressive stuff will come out because there will be less fear of being. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it would be nice if things were just canceled because they were bad. Like yeah. pink ladies. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, just, it was like, I can't emphasize enough just how terrible that show was. Oh my God. No, I just like, I can't watch that and I mean I actually can't watch it because it's about to be pulled from the streaming service Thank anyway God. <laughs> which is funny because I'm like you know what if anything should be scrubbed it's probably the pink lady. <laughs> let's just forget it happened and just like watch the original which is fantastic uh, yeah. Grease is excellent Grease 2 also excellent Grease 2 is really <laughs> really something uh, reproduction <laughs> well I'll just say uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, a uh, cool writer, very foundational yeah. for me. Yes, well, that yeah, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer is like, you know, you watch the movie for, for her. You really do, yeah. And, yeah, because I don't actually remember much about the movie except her, but, um, which is also funny on that kind of topic. I remembered absolutely nothing from High School Musical 3, except the five second moment when Vanessa Hudgens is in a maid outfit. (laughs) That is what I remembered all these years. And I'm like, she's in that outfit for literally five seconds. And that's all that I took away from the movie. That's so funny. But yeah. So, you know, 
these things are very important. <laughs> they are, yeah. Because, I mean, for me, like, I remember Pudge in, like, she has, like, a um, like a little halter top on for probably also about mm-hmm. 30 seconds in that movie. But, you That's know what? All I remember Annabeth Gish in her halter top. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And Grease was very foundational for me when I was little because... Grease is one of those movies that, like, boomer parents were like, yeah, this is okay for my kid to watch, <laughs> even though it's, like, the most sexual movie ever, which is fine. Like, oh kids God. should watch Grease. It's I very love, I love, love, love the um, slumber party scene. Like, yeah, so that's, I mean, there's nothing better. And, I, yeah, I mean, I guess that scene in Shag where they're all kind of dressed up in, like, their little... Um, like bras and uh like slips and stuff is when they're getting ready mm -hmm, very reminiscent yeah yeah Yeah, grease was major and yeah because like rizzo doesn't have pants on she's just like in her little panties her bed (laughs) and singing about elvis doing hip movements i was like six years old and i was just like i don't know what i'm feeling right now but (laughs) and then sandy at the end oh my god she's bad girl sandy I about passed out, you know, like, I mean, God, Olivia Newton-John, that was such a loss. Like, she was, when she, you know, she died recently. Yeah, yeah. That was really, really sad, because she was incredible. She was just a woman who radiated, like, sunshine, and her smile was, like, you know. She, yeah, she lit up the screen, like, you just watched her. Like, she, yeah, just one of those actresses that you didn't she was her own like special effect she didn't need anything else yeah and she and john travolta together i think are the most beautiful people like ever <laughs> you know like they were they were incredible yeah yeah he was gorgeous back then like the whole like coming out of um welcome back mr cotter and mm-hmm. like on the back of wait was this before this must have been was this before or after saturday night fever Oh wow, that's a good question. They came out so close together. I think yeah. I don't know which one came first, but I think he, him as Danny Zuko, I think, is the, the most beautiful he ever looked. Um, I I do always think about him in Hairspray and how he did drag and Hairspray, and I think about like the poor bureaucrats in the Church of Scientology who are like in charge of. <laughs> making sure nobody knows that he's gay when they heard him taking that role they were probably just like oh my god i'm quitting like (laughs) okay now this is where like i'm a hairspray purist and i really i hated the musical and i i could not like i tried watching the movie because you know zach efron and Mm -hmm. like the support support my guy but yeah I i could not do it because to me there was something so fundamentally different between divine who yeah was like okay yeah a, not a i mean it's com- like this is where you get like i don't think you can parse these differences in 2023 without getting totally canceled but like divine was a character mm-hmm. and an actress character playing like divine for all intents and purposes was an actress Mm -hmm. that was a role that was whereas like you have a guy in drag like it just is not it doesn't give the same vibe yeah well john travolta in drag is a far cry from divine like 
I love I because I, I remember when Divine passed away and just being like devastated because I mm-hmm. loved Hairspray that much mm-hmm. um, as like a eight year old. Um, yeah, and so like I don't know. Maybe it, this is maybe this is my like uh, foundational thing, but like I couldn't. It just didn't feel the same. Like to have like a like a guy in drag it just doesn't feel the same. Like I feel like. I would rather see, um, oh, who's that comedian, uh, from, like, Lady Ghostbusters, the fat one, uh, what's her uh, face? Melissa. Yeah, Melissa, yeah, whatever her name is, but, like, I'd rather see her, like, as uh-huh. the mom in Hairspray. Like, I feel like that would be more true to who Divine really was. Yeah, yeah, well, it was obviously a major gimmick to make John Travolta wear a fat suit and do drag like that was you know i'm do i love the hairspray musical like not the music is terrible too yeah it's just not good and like the original hairspray soundtrack along with the shag soundtrack Mm -hmm. like that gives you such a good collection of like early 60s just like bangers like just banger after banger on both of those soundtracks yeah yeah, I remember when the Hairspray musical came out, and I mainly saw it because Zac Efron was in it. I, I don't know. I didn't really like much about it beyond, uh, oh, wait, Amanda Bynes is in it. I liked her. Yeah, it just didn't have, I don't know, like, the original Hairspray is just so good. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, such a portrait. Again, like, it's a specific portrait of an era told by someone that lived through it. And I don't think you can, like, replicate that. Um, yeah. with John Travolta in drag like it's just not it's not gonna work <laughs> and like some really terrible like a terrible like contemporary Broadway book like I don't even know who did the score for that but I'm sure it's yeah nothing I want to hear yeah and that also importantly like came after the success of High School Musical and uh, I'm trying to think what came after that hairspray i don't know because it's like so in the 2000s there was um there was moulin rouge and there was chicago and those were huge you know and then i feel like kind of because of the success of those like in that kind of climate like high school musical was able to succeed and then hairspray came out and then i don't know (laughs) yeah oh and mama mia Mamma Mia. Okay, I love Mamma Mia. I've seen Mamma Mia live. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not high theater, but I, oh hey, <laughs> it's ABBA, right? So yeah, I love. I was the only person when I saw it live. I was the only person under the age of like forty, like in the in the Tropicana theater. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's when you know you're uh, in the presence of something good. Because I went to see, because I love like old, like these old 60s um, songs. Like I love, well, you listen to my boy band episode. Like I love that <laughs> era of music. And um, yeah, I went, like I've gone a couple times um, when they come through town of like these like oldies showcases that are like properly oldies and um, like uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders and like my favorite, like the Turtles. Um, but yeah, when mm-hmm. whenever I go, I'm usually the youngest person in the audience who's like 
like, <laughs> not like a, a grandchild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, I love that music too. It's it's important to listen to older stuff, and there's so much there, you know. And like, because my parents are are older, and I spend a lot of time around my grandparents, and so. I think I'm a little more familiar with older things than most people my age. Um, and yeah, the Turtles was Turtle was the Turtles the band with um, the lead singer Mickey Dolenz. Oh, that's the Monkeys. The Monkeys. Mm-hmm. Okay, just... which are who are excellent. The Turtles. Yeah. Um, not to like digress too hard down my own like, uh, like useless knowledge hole but like the um the turtles were like a surf band that became kind of one of these um bands that popped up in the wake of the beatles like they were they had started off as like a surf band with like a saxophone and everything but the mm-hmm. um they were just incredible uh songwriters and um the two main guys um mark and howie would actually later hook up with frank zappa and um, they toured. They toured with him for a while. And so, if you've ever heard, like one of the all-time great um, like albums, which is Zappa uh, and the Mothers of Invention, live at the Fillmore East, mm-hmm. um, they actually f- uh, Mark and Howie are in the band singing, and um, they do like this really really funny kind of um, skit. Like a, it's a long like sung through skit about like these groupies and um <laughs> but like like these groupies who are after like a band with like a number one hit in the charts and um like the hit is like the turtles big hit happy together which they like eventually sing i'm sure you've heard it it's in like a billion yes, movie soundtracks good. yeah imagine me and you i do yes. i think about you day and night yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah the turtles are fantastic they have probably one of the all-time best um like pop rock records um called the battle of the bands and like the cover is amazing it's like this big gatefold and like in each single song is done in the style of like a fake band um so there's like a surf song and like a country song and yeah it's incredible nice yeah, I, I like Frank Zappa. I actually dressed up as Frank Zappa for Halloween once. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I love it. My low effort drag. Oh, he's a mustache on. I mean, talk about like such a loss to culture. Like. So happy together. If I should call you up and press to die, and you say you belong to me, and ease my mind, imagine how the world could be. So here I am, so happy together. probably cut 
all that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, we just went on a lot of tangents. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. Um, but yeah, I guess we can, it's been like two hours, so I'll let you go. Um, well, I thank to, you. No, I try to try to land on like a two hour mark. Um, yeah. Just that otherwise it gets kind of unwieldy to edit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like the, do you have any like final thoughts? Um, about anything? I mean, well, we can like reconvene for for the beach movie spectacular because sure. I think I'm that like, would be really fun. <laughs> I'm gonna make I've you watch Psycho Beach Yonet. Party. Yeah, I've seen a few of the Annette and Frankie movies, um, but it'd be fun to kind of revisit all of that. Yeah, there's and... a lot of fun ones like the there's like the Ghost in the Invisible Bikini. Um, <laughs> Dr. Gold how is it Dr. Goldfoot in his bikini machine um, yeah <laughs> there's a lot of, yeah the bikini being a big kind of iconic thing at the time because it was so like shocking that women were showing so much skin you know yeah yeah that would be fun but yeah I mean Shag is a great movie I feel like people should uh, find a way to watch it and uh, bring it back, you know. Um, I think we're going to need, like, the shag revival. There's going to be a shag, yeah, and the dance craze should come back, too. That yeah. should also be part Not of on it. TikTok. We're going to have to get Kenny to... Yeah. Know. And Kenny Ortega deserves way more recognition and celebration, and um, when you look at his resume, it is unbelievable. You know, I encourage people to actually look it up, because you wouldn't believe everything he's choreographed, everyone he's worked with. Like, he he's, like, kind of this guy behind the scenes, like, you know, controlling <laughs> everything you've seen on screen as far as dance goes for the past, like, God, 50-plus years. Like, he's... Yeah, and, and the more you learn about Kenny Ortega, too, I think it, it does add, especially, like watching high school musical and just knowing that he had this identification with with the character of ryan i think just mm -hmm. it just makes it a lot more fun to watch yeah definitely he's a, a gay genius so celebrate your gay genius yeah. this pride month everyone <laughs> yeah has happy hashtag pride hashtag pride watch <laughs> shag all and right. high school musical which are which still i think stand the test of time and they're all, they're, they will always be, you know, special to me because they were really, really fun. And even as an adult, I can, I can testify. They are a good watch. Yeah. They're very fun movies and the songs are great. Acting's great. There's, there's nothing to hate about High School Musical. Absolutely nothing. Exactly. Okay. And recording. No, come on.